If you have your Bibles with you, please turn to Luke chapter 23. And the Pew Bible is on page 883. Luke chapter 23, starting to read in verses 1. Let us read. Then the whole company of them arose and brought him before Pilate, and they began to accuse him, saying, We found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar and saying that he himself is Christ, the king. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, You have said so. Then Pilate said to the chief priest in the crowds, I find no guilt in this man. But they were urgent, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea, from Galilee even to this place. When Pilate heard this, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. And when he learned that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him over to Herod, who was himself at Jerusalem at that time. When Herod saw Jesus he was glad, for he had long desired to see him because he had heard about him and was hoping to see some sign done by him. So he questioned him at some length, but he made no answer. The chief priest and the scribe stood by vehemently accusing him, and Herod with his soldiers treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then arraying him in splendid clothing, he sent him back to Pilate, and Herod and Pilate became friends with each other that very day, for before they had been in enmity with each other. Pilate then called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people, and he said to them, You brought me this man as one who was misleading the people. And after examining him before you, behold, I did not find this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Neither did Herod, for he sent him back to us, Look, nothing deserving death has been done by him. I will therefore punish and release him. But they all cried out together, Away with this man and release to us Barabbas, a man who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection started in the city and for murder. Pilate addressed them once more, desiring to release Jesus. But they kept shouting, Crucify, crucify him. A third time he said to them, why? What evil has he done? I have found in him no guilt deserving death. I will therefore punish and release him. But they were urgent, demanding with their loud voices that he should be crucified. And their voices prevailed. So Pilate decided that their demand should be granted. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder for whom they asked but he delivered Jesus over to their will. This is the infallible, inerrant, inspired, divine, and revealed word of God, the only rule of faith in life. Please pray with me. Father, as we come in these minutes before us to look at your word, speak to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Open our hearts, our minds, our souls. We would see Jesus and be like him. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen. 
The time we have tonight, let us look at four people or groups who are confronted with Jesus Christ, the King of the Jews, the Messiah, and let us look at their reaction. First, we see the chief priests, the elders, the scribes, and the Sanhedrin. We see that in Luke twenty-two sixty-six, Luke 23, 1. Luke says this is the council. 23, 4, it says the priest and the crowd. In verse 13 of this chapter, it says the chief priests and the rulers of the people. These are the religious leadership of Israel. And they're looking for a Messiah, but not God's Messiah. They're looking for a man that is going to rise up and defeat the Romans. They're not looking for somebody to rise up and defeat their sin. And so they, they bring Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, to Pilate. We read in Mark 14, 1, that they had been looking for the time to arrest Jesus and they wanted to kill him. And they come now and they bring Jesus to Pilate with half-truths and outright lies and they demand that Pilate kill Jesus. Why? Because they were threatened by the claims of Jesus being the Messiah and his teaching. They would lose their power They would lose their authority over the people. They would lose their religious standing, political power, financial power. And they did not want that. And they hated Jesus for this. They did not want to be reconciled with the living God through what Jesus was teaching. They wanted to be reconciled to God on their terms. We want to keep the Sabbath. We want to obey our rules. And we want to do it our way so that we are respectable. They were legalistic, rule makers, and they demanded the people follow that so that they would be at peace with God. So this drove them to murder and kill their only hope for eternal salvation. In verse 5 and 23, we see the word urgent is used. This was the idea that we want to get rid of Jesus. We want to get rid of him right now, ASAP. It was coming up on the Passover. They did not want to wait to afterwards. They want him gone today, right now. Even as the Son of God stood before them, confirming the free offer of salvation found only in him, In his teachings, Romans 3, 19 through 20 says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. And they said, This man who teaches that it is not enough to keep the law to be right with God, he's got to go. And we want you, Pilate, to kill him for us. And then we see Pilate 
this Roman official who interacts the most with Jesus. And he asks the question that is recorded in all four Gospels. Every time you read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John about Jesus before Pilate, he asks this question. Are you the king of the Jews? And really the Greek says this. You, the king of the Jews? That's what Pilate was asking. The question he should have been asking is this. Can you set me free from my sin, my brokenness, all that separates me from God and my fellow man, my dependence upon power, my dependence of what people think, of what Rome thinks? Can you set me free because I'm in bondage? Pilate was curious. He wanted to know who this Jesus was. He had heard about Jesus. And he did investigate the charges that were brought against Jesus by the Jewish leaders. And three times he says, he's innocent. They have no right to charge him. And he doesn't need to be put to death. In John 18, 37 through 38, it says this. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king? Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate said to him, what is truth? Jesus takes the time to clearly explain to this Gentile, to this man who was powerful but lost. says, my kingdom is not of this world. I come from a greater kingdom. I come from heaven. And I have the power and the authority to do what I've been telling people is to bring people to God and reconcile them only through me. And this is the truth. God's truth and mercy. There's hope for a dying world. But Pilate basically says, well... What we see today, all truth is relative. That may be your truth, but I don't think it's my truth. And he walks away. And he tries to appease the Jewish leadership a number of times by saying, hey, I will punish him, and then I will release him. And by punish him, he said, I am going to beat him so that you can see his bones and his tendon and his muscle. I'm going to rip open his back, and he will be punished. And then I will release him. That ought to be enough. And they say, no, crucify him. And then he says, well, look, let me just release him instead of Barabbas. Barabbas is a murderer, insurrection. He's a bad man. And they say, no, you give us Barabbas and you crucify Jesus. And Pilate wimps out by sending Jesus to Herod and says, I'll let Herod deal with him. I'm not going to deal with him. I don't even want to think about him. And so he sends him to Herod. Herod, verses 7 through 11, was ruling up in the northern part of what we know as Galilee. And he had heard about Jesus. And he had desired to see Jesus He knew about Jesus because he knew about John. He had put John to death. 
And it says that he wanted to see Jesus. Why? To hear about? No, he wanted Jesus to work a miracle, a sign. He wanted to be entertained. He said, do something. I've heard that you raised people from the dead. You made lame to walk, blind to see. Maybe he'd heard about the healing of the man that was paralyzed. Had heard about the feeding of the 5,000. He says, do something like that for me. I'd like to see it because I am bored with life. And I don't have much of a purpose. And Jesus is silent and doesn't do anything because Herod doesn't want to explore the most important thing that he could have, and that is the second person the Trinity was standing in front of him and had all the answers for the purpose of his life. And Herod doesn't care about that. And so he sends them back to Pilate, and they become friends. Perhaps Luke is thinking of Psalm 2 because Luke is the only one that records this incident with Herod. Psalm 2, verses 1 through 4. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Herod is probably one of the saddest figures in the Bible. Which brings us to the fourth person that interacts with Jesus in an indirect way, and that's Barabbas. Verses 19 through 25. This is a man in prison for insurrection and murder. Basically the very thing that Jesus was being charged with with but Barabbas was guilty and Jesus was innocent Herod three times he's innocent Barabbas was scheduled for execution for his crimes but Jesus takes Barabbas's place and Barabbas is set free we've just read from Isaiah 53 5 but he was pierced for our transgression he was crushed for our iniquities upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace And with his wounds, we are healed. You know, as Christians, we can look at these four people, maybe view them, especially the religious leadership and Pilate and Herod in a negative light. But I would challenge you and me tonight to think of ourselves. We can see ourselves in these men with the religious leaders like then we can think, hey, we're, we're doing all right. We're going to church. We're here on Monday, Thursday. We obey God. We read the Bible. We're praying. And yet, I would be the first to admit I am uneasy when I'm threatened by Jesus calling me, perhaps you as well, to follow after him, to deny myself and to take up my cross daily to serve others to love others to forgive others that is threatening that is threatening to us as Christians it's threatening to us like these righteous people who thought they were good in the eyes of God 
They were dead. Dead in their sins and trespasses. We have to be careful. We are not like them. Are you saying, Knox, we shouldn't do these things? Obey God, read the Bible, pray, go to church? No. But we cannot view those things in light of thinking God says, that's why I love you. Because you do these things. And that's why I may not love those people down the road that don't do those things. I love you because Christ loved you and died on the cross for you. That is why you're special in my life, in my sight. We can be like Pilate, wanting to appease the world around us. Let's see if we can live in a a little bit of an uneasy relationship. Let's see if everybody can just get along. And sometimes that's not going to work. We're going to have to stand up at times and say, I am a Christian. This is what I believe. This is my God, Jesus Christ. And he has called me. And that is the only way to salvation. There are not many ways to God. There is only one way. And that is not going to be something that a lot of people outside these walls want to hear. They don't want to hear that truth. They say, that's pretty narrow-minded. You seem superior. And we can be like Pilate. What do I need to do so that we can just get along? I don't want to be a fanatical follower. I don't want to do everything God's Word tells me. Good gracious. Jesus says, if you'll love me, you'll keep my commandments. And guess what? I am going to give you the Holy Spirit within you to make you a new person, a new man, a new woman, a new boy, a new girl in Jesus Christ. And these things that seem so outlandish, I'm going to give you a new heart and you will be able to do it. Which brings us to being like Herod, wanting things from God. And I think we all, we want, every time we pray, we pray, God, you know, heal our brothers and our sisters. Lord, don't make us suffer. Lord, I, I hear what's going on in the Middle East and in some parts of Africa and China and North Africa. Lord, don't make me have to walk through those trials. Just give me things when I ask for them. For my children, for my wife, for my husband, for our church. Lord, give that to me. Instead, we need to want Christ. I want you, Christ. And that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. Philippians 3.10 We are called to come to Jesus like Barabbas with our sin, our rebellion, and brokenness to receive his mercy and grace, to come into fellowship and relationship with joy and love in spite of whatever hardship, whatever trial, whatever tribulation that comes our way because we are new creatures by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, not with anything in our hands that we've done, only because of the love poured out on us on the cross 
for our sins that makes us children of the living God. Let's pray. Father, we, we come to you. We would be like Barabbas who sat in that cell and then he was set free and he hadn't done a thing. And Father, we don't know what happened to Barabbas, but surely he wondered about this man. And maybe he went to Golgotha, Calvary, and, and looked at Jesus and said, he took my place. Father, I pray that we would have a Barnabas and a Barabbas heart, that we would be encouraging to others and also full of humility at what you've done. And tonight, Father, as we come before your table, may we do it in great humility and may our spirits and hearts be changed. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.